What's up? Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Wednesday, July 15th, 2015. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletic Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Make sure you swing by the shop on Granite Ave. Beantown Athletic specializes in custom uniforms and business apparel as the only in-house union screen printer in Boston. Follow them on Twitter at Beantown underscore dot and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Beantown Athletics, also on Instagram. And when you do swing by the shop or give them a call, make sure you tell them that I sent you 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. Again, Beantown Athletics, the only in-house union screen printer in Boston. All right, so what did we have last night? All-Star game in the American League wins the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. They defeat the National League 6-3. The game was in Cincinnati. Mike Trout becomes the first player to win back-to-back All-Star Game MVPs. He led the game off with a home run off of Zach Greinke. He took it the other way on a pitch that, I mean, I don't know how many guys could could put that ball in the seats, but Mike Trout did. Um, And if you look at Trout's, all-star game career now it's pretty impressive just the fact alone that he wins back-to-back all-star game mvps um but he is now in all of his all-star game appearances what is he 23 years old in all of mike trout's all-star game appearances he has hit for the cycle in 2012 he had a single in 2013 he hit a double last year he hit a triple This year, he hit a home run to lead off the game and give the American League an early 1-0 lead. Uh, Trout also, I believe, yes, he did. He walked in this game as well. Trout went 1-for-3, two runs scored. Uh, The home run walked once. He also struck out. And, uh, you know, if you look at this game from a local perspective, what we're doing here in Boston... I guess you could say, well, hey, the American League wins the game, so now we know the American League team representing in the World Series will get home field advantage. That is not going to be the Boston Red Sox, at least given the current structure of this Red Sox roster, that's just not going to be the case. Uh, At least that's my opinion. Mathematically, it's obviously realistic, but given the amount of times that um, you play the Yankees, I know you could say, well, if the Yankees are still in first place, you're going to have a shot to control your own destiny for the division. I just don't think the Red Sox have the team to be able to do that against uh, a Yankees team that I think has a, a, a lot better pitching than the Red Sox does. The Red Sox are six and a half games out here at the All-Star break, and the Major League Baseball regular season resumes on Friday night. The Red Sox are in L.A. to take on the Angels, to take on Mike Trout, and the Angels, but looking at the All-Star game from a realistic local perspective, locally, we have our eyes on Brock Holt, uh, the Red Sox only All-Star in this game, and how about Brock Holt? He comes in as a pinch runner for Mike Trout in the seventh inning, he steals second base, and then he scores on a Manny Machado double, which gave the American League a 4-2 to lead in the seventh inning, and the run that Brock Holt scored, it turns out to be the game-winning run, because the American League won 6-3. to It was the fourth run for the American League. So Brock Holt scores. He scores the game-winning run. He played left field in this game, caught the final out, caught the ball for the final out of the game. Now, he did strike out um, to Araldus Chapman. <laughs> but, I mean, Chapman struck out the side in order, you know, ring him up, sit him down, 14 pitches, I think they said 12 of those 14 pitches were 100 miles an hour. Brock Holt, nobody had a chance against Chapman, also striking out the side in order was the kid DeGrom from the Mets uh, earlier on in this game. So you got a couple pretty impressive um, pitching performances in this one. Now it should also be pointed out David Price for the American League gets the win. Clayton Kershaw for the National League gets the loss. As I mentioned, both DeGrom and Chapman both struck out the side in order in their respective innings. It should also be pointed out that Kansas City's Lorenzo Cain was the only player in this game to have more than one hit, to have a multi-hit game. Lorenzo Cain uh, had two hits in this one. 
he finished the game two for three with an RBI. So that's the way this All-Star game looked. It was a great night. I love the All-Star game. Now, I was somewhat in and out of it because from everything that I saw going in, this game, first pitch was supposed to be at 7.30. I mean, I was wondering if they were ever even going to play this game because of the the opening ceremonies that they had and all the ceremonies, which, by the way, I don't want to knock those ceremonies because they were pretty cool, and I'll get to those in just a second. But, you know, I had to be on Comcast Sportsnet New England last night. Uh, I was on TV, and we talked... We didn't talk about the All-Star game itself because the game hadn't even ended by the time we were filming live. You know, we were going live at 10 o'clock last night. So the All-Star game was still going on. So what we did was talk about the opening ceremonies. And and what Fox did was something that was pretty cool. They gave us a – it was called the Franchise Four, which means they took every team in the league and they announced four players for those franchises – um, that I, you know, I, I guess, what are we saying? The fans voted for this? Uh, either way, they gave us the franchise four. And it, it just, whoever voted, or however they picked them, it, I don't even care how they would have picked them. It's just, it, it leads to a debate after they announced this. And I'm sure today that every city is having a debate to open up sports talk shows, whether it's radio, TV, podcasting, internet, web shows, blogs, you name it, everybody is opening up their sports conversation today when they talk about the All-Star game in their respective cities with their franchise four that we saw last night on Fox. And that's exactly what we did last night on TV. And if you missed it, the Red Sox franchise four, I, I do think it was pretty cool. They finished it up with the Cincinnati Reds. The game was in Cincinnati. And, you know, you're waiting for... You're waiting for Pete Rose to come out. And Pete Rose comes out. He gets a standing ovation. I mean, if you've listened to me, you know how I feel. I think Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, I don't think he should ever be allowed anywhere near a major league team, though, with regards to uh, having a job in major league baseball in any capacity. Absolutely not. But you should absolutely allow him to be in the Hall of Fame. He was a Hall of Fame baseball player. And, and you know, I know there are other factors involved, but at the same time, you know, there would be no Major League Baseball Hall of Fame unless they were, we, you know, we can look at all the other factors, the, the, the human perspective of what these guys are, what their personalities are off the field, um, what type of people they are. But at the end of the day, there would be no Major League Baseball Hall of Fame unless they were, they were great baseball players. And that's how I'm going to judge the Hall of Fame ultimately is, what did you do on the field? Was it great? And what Pete Rose did on the field was great. He was an all-time great. He is a Hall of Famer. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Should never have a job in Major League Baseball, but he should be in the Hall of Fame. But that was a cool moment. They had him walk out into the field before the game. Um, however, you get to you, you go back to the local arguments and your franchise for for your team. And we we debated this last night on Comcast Sportsnet New England because. The franchise four for the Boston Red Sox, Ted Williams, Kyle Yastrzemski, Pedro Martinez, and David Ortiz. And I'll let you listen to the conversation. We're going to play about a good chunk of the conversation that we had last night. It was, I was on TV with Bob Neumeyer, uh, Gary Tangway, and Kevin Paul DuPont, and we debated this foursome, and, and just right off the bat before we play it, I mean... Let's let's open this argument. Let's open this conversation by by just getting this out of the way. Is that it's not like this foursome is wrong. At least that's how I feel. It's not like you got it wrong. And I think the good thing, the good thing that Red Sox fans can argue today is that yeah, you know, you have other players that are in the conversation. Should they be in the franchise four? And we talked about a couple of these other players last night on Comcast Sportsnet. I'm going to let this play out. I'm going to let you hear it. And then I'm going to give my final reaction, almost like a, like a post-game, a post-game recap of Comcast Sportsnet's Sports Tonight. Here it is last night, myself, uh, Bob Neumeyer, Gary Tangway, and Kevin Paul DuPont. Uh, take a listen. Fox foursome. There are others that uh, can be mentioned. I say, Gary, yes. that I'm into Williams, I'm into Yastrzemski, 
I'm into Pedro. Yep. I would put in Roger the Dodger Clemens ahead of Mr. Ortiz. Yeah, the card over here, and, and he's with you. He's shaking his head, and DuPont is going way back in history. Way back. Okay, way let's back. go way back. Because so, I saw him bitch. Yeah, but, so before we go with the old bastard, let's start with the young kid. Well, I, and I by the way, okay, that's enough. Your, your hair looks so much better than Pete Rose's. <laughs> yeah. Don't ever dye it. Less nip and jack, by okay, the way. And less this less. By the way, this is Kevin Paul Dupont of the Globe and Danny Picard of WEI Radio. Just thank, for introduction. Thank you, Newby. All right, you yes. want the rocket? Well, I, I think that you can't go wrong by putting them in, but at the same time, I mean, you look at the four that they had. It, is that wrong? Real? I mean, no. But I think Roger Clemens. Look, he played five, six more seasons in a Red Sox uniform than Pedro Martinez. So you certainly can make the argument they both won multiple Cy Youngs. I guess I still would go Pedro because he finished his career with a championship with the Red Sox. And that's the icing on the cake to me. So you're with me that Rogers should be the number four guy. Williams no, and Yale is I, automatic. I, I, we were, I was asked if he should be in the conversation, and he absolutely should be in the conversation. But Pedro Martinez, I would put him in over Roger Clemens. No, you're backing out of your previous argument about the PED stuff. You know, if, if, if they did all this damage. I'm not in Ro- with Ortiz. Roger's one of I'm those not guys. Ortiz. Oh, no, Roger. Oh, Roger. Yeah. Right. But, 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 but let us not forget. But now, let's right. talk pure baseball. He's right. right. It's before he went to Toronto. You know, those damn Canadians. Well, They've got those drugs yeah. running crazy in up the there. Twilight. Yeah. Who's your vote yeah. then, big boy? Who's your vote? Well, my guy's Cy Young. What did Roger win? The Cy Young. What did Pedro win? The Cy Young. Cy Young was here for eight years. You know, 192 wins, 112 losses. Guess what? Cy Young has to be on your team. And Pedro Martinez won uh, two of the Red Sox and Clemens won three. Uh-huh. Right. right. The, right. The, the, the award's named after him. And if we resurrected him, he'd look better than Pete Rose did today. <laughs> There's no doubt Even about that. Even now, yes. You know, it's can, interesting can, because... Can, when did Cy Young right. pitch anyway? Was it 1823? Uh, no, Cy Young like got here at age 34 in 1901. Buckley so, and DuPont you know, on the before beat. Fenway. And he won 6,000 games, so we'll give him your win. But I think you have, to have David, you have to have David Ortiz in there. The guy's won three championships with the Red Sox. You don't Sox. have to this, have him. You don't have to This was an organization that was dying to Danny, get somebody in to help them. forever. Top forever. Mr. Ortiz does not qualify. He, he took was the team on his back in 2004. On his back. And he then helped them win two more championships after that. Ortiz three. has done great things. He's a designated hitter. Yeah, but boy, look at what he's done with that bat, though. I mean, you talk about the 2013 World Series where he had the home run and the famous cop picture. You go back to the American League Championship Series against the Angels. I mean, single-handedly, this guy has won ball games for the Red Sox, and I know he's a designated hitter. And then, but here you get into the PED use, and this is where Numi has has a gripe because look. But then again, everybody was on the juice. Well, who's your four? Who's your, have you announced your fourth? Oh no, man! Third? I'm just I'm just taking it easy. I'm letting Bob you guys fight it out. No, no, I'm, yeah. At least Dupont yeah. says Cy Young. He says Roger Clemens. I say Roger okay. Clemens. What do you say? Well, I think there's a name that we're forgetting because the word is impactful. Dwight Most Evans? impactful. Louis Tion. Louis Tion? Louis Tion is a great pick. Louis Tion, 73 and 74, okay, won 20 games for the Red Sox when they didn't have any pitching, okay? Then in 75, we all know what he did for this team in the World Series. Louis Tion totally resurrected his career, changed how he pitched when he was with the Indians. He was throwing gas. He came over to the Red Sox, did the dipsy doing the whole bit. The 75 Red Sox, it was an no. outstanding no, run no, without Louis. Not buying it doesn't happen. Numi's out. What do you I'm, mean, Numi? No, I'm, I'm not buying top four. I'm not buying top four. To the conversation, we should add, we'll forget Wade Boggs. Mr. Hit Machine, on-base yes. percentage Station machine. Yes. Carlton Fisk, Pudge Fisk, Jim He's, Ed Rice. Okay, we're, oh, talking, wait, whoa, no. we're talking Manny Ramirez. Okay. We're talking guys that can bat. Wait a minute, we got to go look. back to this is, is framed by Mount Rushmore. Yeah, yeah. Is, is Wade Boggs on Mount Rushmore? No I way. don't think so. No way. No, Margot Adams belongs on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah. The rest Delta Force. Before. Yeah, there's no way. No, I, I don't put Boggs here. I mean, the guy he had 20 home runs one year. He was worried about his average. He was the complete selfish ball player. I mean, good for him. He got to ride the horse with the Yankees. Put him, you know. I think you're onto someone with Manny Ramirez there too. I mean, we now look at Manny and, and see how it ends. And you see the PED use again, and, and I think maybe you know we kind of overlooked the things that he did. But he was one of the best right-handed hitters that I've ever seen. Uh, one of the best hitters I've ever seen with two strikes on him, and again, one championship. So uh, that's that's another reason I have to maybe lean towards him more than someone like. Well, I mean, he was a 2004 yeah. MVP. Too, yeah, we, we could argue this all day long. Uh, we can't argue this all day long, and that's the conversation that we had last night on Comcast Sportsnet New England. I, first and foremost, i got to say, 
Um, I-, I loved being on that panel last night. You know, I'm on all different panels, and this isn't a knock on a panel that I've been on with other people. But, you know, uh, hey, a couple legends in the game right there that I'm sitting next to. So it's it-, it it was cool last night to be on that. Not that it's not cool to be on that Comcast Sportsnet panel. I always- it always is a great moment when I get to sit there with the pros, pros, with the biggest names in the business, um, but, but last night, you know, I did thoroughly enjoy that conversation with the franchise four, but I have no idea how you can not put David Ortiz in there. And, and, you know, and I didn't even go and have to look at the numbers to know that David Ortiz should be in the franchise four for the Boston Red Sox. I mean, look, obviously Ted Williams, of course he's in there. Carl Yastrzemski. Okay. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that he shouldn't be. He should be. Pedro Martinez, yep. Uh, David Ortiz, absolutely. I brought up Roger Clemens. We brought up Roger Clemens, and I not I was not in my head early on in the segment with the Roger Clemens talk because you he has to be in the conversation. Now, if there's a franchise five, I, if you're telling me okay, now you need to extend it to a franchise five, out of the guys that we just mentioned there that people mentioned, they mentioned Louis Tiant, Wade Boggs. Clemens, and then Manny Ramirez, the conversation to me is Clemens or Manny Ramirez, one of those two guys. And I'm probably leaning towards Roger Clemens, but it's going to be very close. And if then if I had to do franchise six, Manny Ramirez would be in there. Uh, the David Ortiz thing to me, though, is obvious. You know, I, I think if you want to go pitching, you argue should it be Pedro or Clemens in the franchise four because Clemens pitched 13 years with the Red Sox, won multiple Cy Youngs, um, Pedro, Ma- Clemens pitched 13 years with the Red Sox, won multiple Cy Youngs, even won an MVP, right, uh, Clemens did in 86, Pedro Martinez only pitched seven years with the Red Sox, still won multiple Cy Youngs, probably should have won the MVP in 99, but didn't he come in second place? Uh, in, in in the MVP voting that year, did win the Cy Young. The reason I'm I'm sort of leaning towards Pedro is because in 2004, obviously you get that World Series, and Pedro Martinez is one of your top pitchers, and that was his final year in a Red Sox uniform. And and I'm trying to put some value and some extra emphasis on the World Series championships. And the reason I do that is not just because of championships in general is because when you specifically want to look at the Red Sox organization and the drought that this franchise was on, you know, we were talking about curses, 86-year drought, okay? The guys that were on the team to get this organization out of that drought and break that curse, I need to look at those guys and say, hey, they need to be, all all of a sudden, they need to hop up to to the top of the list somewhere near the top 10. And... Once you get into a discussion of top 10, let's jump to top 5. How much of an impact did these specific players play a role in winning those championship teams? Winning those championships to those teams. Pedro Martinez, huge role. David Ortiz, maybe the biggest. Again, go back to 2004. ALCS. These guys were down and out. And don't forget the walk-off he had to finish off the ALDS against the Angels. That David Ortiz had, right? Put it the other way over the monster. And then you get the ALCS. You're down and out. You trail the series three games to none. Nobody thinks the Red Sox are going to come back and win that series. What happens? David Ortiz. Walk off home running game four down the alley in right field at Fenway. Then uh, you get game five still at Fenway. What happens? David Ortiz up the middle. Cue Joe Buck. We'll see you later tonight in New York. I mean, the Red Sox, David Ortiz legitimately put that team on his back. Okay, on his back. They win the World Series in 2004. David Ortiz, in 2007, once again, um, had a huge year. And once again, was a guy that came up with monster hits for a team that wins a championship. And then you go to 2013, and he's a, a major part of a championship team that year as well. Um, look, David Ortiz is the guy that literally took this franchise on, its, on his back 
and said, let's get a couple titles and let's break out of this drought. And let's become a championship. Fr- let's let's go from being a, a a franchise that has great players that seems to always find a way to lose it, to be a franchise that has great players that busts out of losing skids and breaks droughts and wins championships, and ultimately known as great teams. David Ortiz was that guy. And if 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 you then in between those championships and those discussions. Look at his regular season numbers with the Red Sox. I mean, can you go back? I I told you that this, it's a no-brainer. David Ortiz should be in the franchise four before I even looked at the regular season numbers. I mean, obviously, we know they're good. But go back and check them out. Honestly, 2003, 31 home runs, 101 RBIs, hit 288. 2004, 41 home runs, 139 RBIs, hit 301. 2005, 47 home runs, 148 RBIs, hit 300. 2006, 54 home runs, 137 RBIs, he hit 287. Numbers started to dip. 2000, <laughs> this is great. Numbers dip, but he still hits 35 home runs, drives in 117 runs, and hits 332 in 2007. Again, a championship season. 2008, he hit 23 home runs, 89 RBIs, hit 264. You know, 2008-2009 were his, you know, the seasons that you look at and say, okay, the average was down. You know, 2009, he hit 238, 28 home runs, but still 99 RBIs. I mean, how many guys would take 28 home runs, 100 RBIs this season? You know, he did that in 2009 that we looked at that as a down year. 2010, David Ortiz, 32 home runs, 102 RBIs. Uh, he hit 270. 2011, David Ortiz, 29 home runs, 96 RBIs. He hit 309 that year. 2012, 23 home runs, 60 RBIs. He only played 90 games that season. He hit 318. 2013, another championship season. 30 home runs, 103 RBIs, hit 309. Uh, and then last year, he hit 35 home runs and drove in 104 runs. The average was down to 263, but still, the numbers are there in the regular season, and I haven't even looked. You haven't, I haven't even given you the postseason numbers, and I'm not going to give them all to you. I'm just going to give these uh, generic postseason stats with David Ortiz, okay? David Ortiz has played 82 postseason games. 82 postseason games, 350, uh, excuse me, 295 postseason at-bats, 357 plate appearances. But we'll look at 82 postseason games for David Ortiz. 17 home runs, 60 RBI, and he is a career 295 hitter in the postseason. How about we go to when the going gets tough and the stakes are at their highest in the World Series? David Ortiz has played... 14 World Series games, all right? 14 World Series games for David Ortiz. Three home runs, 14 RBIs. In the World Series, David Ortiz is a 455 hitter in the World Series, all right? He's got three championships. Um, He's got a, a World Series MVP to show for 2013. This guy, it is a no-brainer. In fact... The argument for David Ortiz shouldn't be, is he in the franchise four for the Red Sox? The argument should be, is he, if you were to rank the franchise four, is he number one or number two? <laughs> That's the argument. Um, so in no way, shape, or form was I going to sit there last night and not point out that David Ortiz put this team on, its, on his back and helped them become a championship club when we were just begging for them to win something for 86 years. I know they get to they got to the World Series a couple times, but but they didn't win it until David Ortiz legit took them there and then took them on you know took them on his back. So it's a no brainer. David Ortiz is in the franchise four. the The argument I think for for last night should have been more about all right, Clemens or Pedro. That's a closer argument to me. It is. Now we brought up Manny Ramirez. Absolutely, he's in the conversation, but. You know, if you're gonna just look, all right, you gotta put, you gotta put a hitter in there. Who do you put in, Ortiz or Manny? I I gotta put in Ortiz. He stuck around. He won another championship, and um, 
and, and and look, David Ortiz again was the guy that 2004 postseason, in especially in the ALCS, you got he's in. So you look at the pitching, Clemens versus Pedro. It's a very good debate, and you know Clemens's career with the Red Sox didn't end great. You know, you had the the strike shortened seasons, right? He had those strike-shortened seasons. He was also dealing with injury. Um, but, I mean, this guy was a, you know, this guy was a dominant pitcher for the Red Sox organization. And I've said for a long time, you know, look, they're going to retire 45. You know, the Red Sox are, are retiring Pedro Martinez's number. But they should also retire Roger Clemens's. I, I'm being dead serious when I say that. They should retire number 21. And, you know, when, when, when you look at, when you look at his career, and, and look, we get so wrapped up, we really get so wrapped up in the steroid thing, the performance-enhancing drug thing, and, and some people might point at that with David Ortiz as well, and Manny Ramirez for a couple of the guys that we've, we've mentioned in this conversation, but the bottom line is this. I I don't get too worked up about it ever because, as we know, it was an era, a steroid era. It wasn't like five guys were doing it and they were the best five players in the league. There were a lot of guys doing steroids. But I also always point out there were a lot of guys doing steroids that sucked, that couldn't even get out of the minor leagues. There were a lot of guys who did steroids in the major leagues who couldn't do anything. So... I don't necessarily know that just looking at the PED usage stuff and um, accusations and all that, whether you believe a guy juiced or not, the way I look at it was, well, if a pitcher was juicing, the guys he was getting out were also on the juice. And if a hitter was juicing, the guys that were pitching to him were on the juice or were taking something. So I, I just think it was a more even playing field than maybe people want to acknowledge or are willing to admit in Major League Baseball. But I, I'm not, I, I, to be honest, I didn't even, that's not even something I was going to bring up last night, PEDs. We're doing Red Sox franchise four. David Ortiz is in. I think the discussion comes down to, is it Clemens or Pedro? You don't, for, put it this way, you don't get it wrong either way. And I want to clarify that. If you were to tell me today, Clemens needs to be in over Pedro, Look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you know what? You're wrong. That's wrong of you to say that. No way. You have, a, you have, I have said, I have given you over the years on this podcast, some amazing, some amazing stats from Roger Clemens to back up and defend my argument that this is a guy who should be in the Hall of Fame. I believe Clemens should be in the Hall of Fame. And I, I, I just, you know, I'm, I'll fight that till the end here. He should be. Um, so you, you're not going to get an argument from me if you say you think Clemens should be in the Red Sox franchise four over Pedro. And you're certainly not going to get an argument from me if you say Pedro should be in over Clemens. At the end of the day, since I'm putting more stock into Red Sox championships and the role that certain players played on those championship teams for the Red Sox, Pedro Martinez gets a nod just barely over Clemens. But if you did franchise five, Clemens is the fifth. And it's a close race between him and Manny. It is, but I'd give it to Clemens. So, that's my that's my argument on the franchise four last night. But a nice segment we had on Comcast Sportsnet. You can watch it at csne.com. Uh, thanks to everyone there for having me be a part of that. The All-Star game was last night. As I mentioned, the American League won it 6-3, to three, which means that the team that goes to the World Series representing the American League, the American League champion, will have home field advantage and as I mentioned at the beginning of this show also and as I mentioned on multiple shows I do not believe that one of those teams or that team is going to be the Boston Red Sox Uh, it's just not going to happen so Major League Baseball regular season will begin Friday it's Wednesday I, I don't know why they can't begin this thing tomorrow night on Thursday what do we got we got the ESPYs tonight that's it the ESPYs eight o'clock on ABC Hosted by Joel McHale. Um, yeah, Major League Baseball against Friday. Tomorrow morning, the British Open begins. Very early, by the way, at St. Andrews. Uh, 1.30 in the morning, to be exact, if you're up. Now, I'm sure they're going to show replays and highlights. But 
uh, if you're a diehard British Open fan, the Open Championship, you might want to uh, change your sleep pattern for tonight because and start sleeping during the day because the the tournament will begin at 1.30. Players will tee off beginning at 1.30 in the morning. As I mentioned, SBs tonight, Major League Baseball begins Friday, which means that if you get a couple days off here of not much news, we sort of are assuming that Roger Goodell, any moment now, could be revealing his announcement and his decision on the Tom Brady suspension after the appeal hearing. Um, I've been constantly re-checking Twitter. Uh, the news today, the latest news is that, according to ABC News, NFL PA sources tell ABC News that if Tom Brady is suspended for even one single game, they expect to challenge the decision in federal court. Now, it's easy to look at that news and say, here we go, we're going to court. I should also say this. The NFLPA leaking this news to ABC News, they leak for a reason. And the reason they leak is because that day sense, given the schedule here, that something is going to be announced shortly, maybe even in the next couple hours, maybe in the next couple days. They can sense that. And what they're trying to do, in my opinion, is just sort of throw another threat out there. Just sort of threaten. You know, if Roger Goodell is sitting there about to announce this and he's thinking of giving Brady even a one-game suspension, then the NFLPA wants to at least make the threat or let the threat be known that, hey, Roger, you might want to rethink that. Because if you do even give one game, we're going to court. And if we go to court, this story isn't going away. And if this story doesn't go away... This is going to be something that follows your league around and is not going to end up good for you. It's not going to end up good for your reputation, your legacy, or your league. So uh, why don't we just end it with zero game suspension and make that announcement, right? I think that this is nothing more than a threat. We'll see what happens. But I I also, you know, just reading around Twitter and what people have to say, um, I I I will also tell you that Albert Breer, I've been reading him. He's been, you know, he's a guest on this show many times. He does point out the 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 final move on the NFLPA if they do want to go to court or not. If Brady does get at least a game or two games, um, that decision is going to come down to Tom Brady, regardless of what the NFLPA wants to do. So uh, let's let's wait and see on this whole. It's definitely going to court. Let's see if he even gets a game. I still think it's a possibility that Brady gets no games. But let's see. Let's wait for this announcement. I don't know when it's going to come. By the time it could come today, and by the time you listen to this podcast, it could be out. So if you're listening to this podcast and the and Roger Goodell reveals what's up with Tom Brady's suspension and he makes that announcement, I will react on the following day's podcast. Okay, just to let you know, five days a week, DannyPicard.com. Also, you can subscribe on iTunes. Uh, tune in, Stitcher, really anywhere that you can get a podcast. Make sure you do that. I don't know if I'm going to watch the ESPYs tonight. I, here's what I, you know what, I, all these award shows, I'm not a big award show guy. I'm not. You know what I do watch, though? I always find myself watching the opening monologue. Now, Joel McHale, he's a funny dude. What did he used to have? The, the, he has the Talk Soup show, right? Is that what he still does? I see. I don't even know. I, I, I've stopped watching that stuff. Um, but I believe Talk Soup. Is that even still around? I have no idea. Maybe I'm, I, I, you know, maybe I'm making that up. No, I'm pretty sure, right? Talk Soup. Either way, Joel McHale's a funny, funny dude. I, I, you never know. I've seen funny people just be terrible at these things. I've seen people that I don't like give me hilarious moments, laugh out loud moments. So I think if there's anything I'm interested in in any of these award shows, it's not the red carpet. It's not the awards themselves. It's not even the performances that you see. I always pay attention to the opening monologue. Can it be funny? You know, can can you sort of, can you give me something that's so awkward that is laugh out loud funny tonight? 
and this look, there's plenty of stuff with professional athletes that you can that you can chirp them about. It's can you present it to me in the right fashion where I'm gonna laugh? That's it. So uh, I'll probably watch the opening monologue, but that that I I won't pay much attention to it after that. Maybe even just take advantage of not having any sports on tonight and maybe try to get caught up on a couple TV shows. True Detective, though I've seen a little of it, it's not great. And based on what I read on Twitter, you know, I haven't got caught up yet, but based on what I read on Twitter, it's a True Detective is really just dropping the ball. I mean, what do you expect at the same time? Last season was just phenomenal. How do you even top that? And how do you top it the next year? I just, it almost seemed inevitable that they were never going to top that. And because of that, and because the expectations are so high, it, it almost was a lock to be a failure of a season. Now, I won't call it a failure of a season just yet because for a couple of reasons. One, I'm not caught up on it. But also, two, it, the season's not finalized. I also haven't seen any of Ballas yet with The Rock. I'd like to see that. I know I do know it got picked up for a second season. So maybe I'll try to check that out tonight you know maybe that's a situation where I get it checked out but you know for the most part right now tonight I think I'm just sort of waiting for Roger Goodell and until that happens until Roger Goodell comes out with with the decision what we're going to do here is we're going to continue to just try and and guess and go back to the Greg Hardy thing and say how can you have Greg Hardy's suspension be four games and then at the same time have Tom Brady be suspended four games for two things that should not even be on the same level of discussion. It just shouldn't, right? Domestic violence, air pressure in a football. You would think anybody with a brain would be able to figure out the difference between the two. I mean, using violation is, using the word violation is not even doing justice uh, to the type of crime that Greg, that, that Greg Hardy committed. So, I mean, Tom Brady's is, is, I guess you could call it a violation. The Greg Hardy thing, you know, they knocked that down from 10 to 4. You cannot have Tom Brady be suspended for four games at the same amount of games as Greg Hardy. It just can't happen. So the, the longer we wait, the more we're going to dissect that and the more we're really going to expect Tom Brady's suspension to be zero. The report today, though, if it is even one game, what it's going to be is, at least the, the NFLPA is threatening, they're going to go to court. They're going to take this thing to court. I, I can't tell you, I can't guarantee you that they take it to court, but what I will guarantee you is the threat, the threat is real. They want Roger Goodell shaking in his boots because they know he's getting ready to announce this. And there's a, as much as there's a method to the NFL's madness for when they release this news, there's also a method to the madness of the NFLPA and how they are going to now try and put their scare tactics on the commissioner. Hey, you give them even one game, that's not going to be good enough for us. Now, we know, you know, look, they've let it be known since probably in when they go in a room for 10 hours and talk about this appeal. I mean, they know. You know, Roger Goodell gets the sense that Tom Brady's team doesn't want any games in the suspension. They want zero games. But I think Roger Goodell, who knows, maybe he calls his, maybe he calls their bluff, you know. And if, if he's thinking about calling their bluff, at least the NFLPA today is letting it be known that, hey, at least they're threatening. And they're going to continue to pound their chest all the way home to the court system, right? That's what they're going to do. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that news. And whatever comes out of it, I'll react to it on this show five days a week. But now that uh, the All-Star break is a, is well, the All-Star break isn't over. Again, we got tonight. We got no baseball tomorrow night. I don't know why you can't have baseball tomorrow night. Why can't you have, any ba- why can't you have a couple ball games tomorrow night? Can someone explain that to me? Why they can't have some baseball tomorrow night? I don't understand. Uh, did the All-Star break, was it, has it always been this long? Honestly, has the All-Star break always been this long? I don't recall it being always to Friday, but... It is. That's what it is now. Maybe I'm wrong. That's what it is now. Um, when I look around the league, and you want me to to get into this, all right, we know what league is going to have home field advantage in the World Series. Right? We know that. We know what league is going to have that. It's the American League. They won the All-Star game. Uh, 
Um, you, you, I start to look at the standings, and I look around, and I see, well, what teams could possibly be there? You look at the first-place teams. Hey, let's play a game real quick. Before I sign off and, and you know, you know, send us into another day of waiting for Roger Goodell, uh, let's play a little game here. Let's play a game of if the playoffs began today, here's who would make the playoffs in Major League Baseball. The New York Yankees would win the AL East with 48 wins. The Kansas City Royals would win the AL Central with 52 wins. The Los Angeles Angels would win the AL West with 48 wins. And then you get to the wild card. You know, we got two wild card teams now. The wild card game would be the Houston Astros going to Minnesota to take on the Twins in a wild card game. Um, I would I won't say for the ages because I don't know if as as good as Houston has been, I don't know that the Houston Astros versus the Minnesota Twins in a one game playoff. Yeah, the one-game playoffs are exciting. I just don't know the Houston at Minnesota does it for everybody, but that would be the playoff game. Uh, that's how things would look, which means that the Kansas City Royals would play the winner of that game. Honestly, I'd have to say Houston. I'm going to be interested to see what happens with the Houston Astros moving forward because they've had a phenomenal first half. Dallas Keuchel gets the start in the All-Star game last night for the American League. I don't know that anybody predicted Houston at the All-Star break to have 49 wins and be a half game behind the Angels and be five and a half ahead of Texas, six and a half, uh, excuse me, uh, seven games ahead of the Mariners, and what, seven and a half games ahead of Oakland? I don't know that anybody thought Houston would be this good this season. I think, you know, if you want to be realistic about what the Astros have done in the draft because of what they haven't done in the regular season in whatever it is, the last eight years or, or whatever, going back, I don't even know, whatever it is. Um, at some point, Houston, you would think, would put all these young pieces and all these top draft picks and all these top prospects together to put a pretty formidable team on the field, one that would contend for a division. I just don't think that anybody thought this would be the year. Maybe next year, maybe the year after, not this year, but here they are. They've contended throughout the first half. They're a half game behind the Angels. And as I mentioned, if the playoffs began today, which is just a little game we're playing, don't get too worked up about it. If they began today, the Astros would be going to Minnesota uh, for the one-game playoff. The Twins are four and a half games behind Kansas City in the AL Central. Um, and then, which means the Kansas City Royals would be, who would they be playing? They would be actually playing the Yankees. Right? They would be playing the Yankees because the Yankees have the least amount of wins. See, it used to be uh, even when they just had one wild card team, two teams from the division could not play each other, from the same division could not play each other in the first round. That has since changed. So now it's just, okay, the best team in the American League plays the team with the worst record in the ALDS. So it's looking like Kansas City would play the Yankees in the first round. Uh, and then the Angels would play the winner of Houston-Minnesota in that playoff. And if I had my put my money on it, I'd go L.A. versus Houston and Kansas City versus the Yankees. That would be my four in the playoffs, just based on if the playoffs began today. National League, you get the Nationals would win the NL East. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals would win the NL Central. You get the Dodgers to win the NL West. And then you want to look at the wild card standings for the National League. The Pirates would play the Cubs. Chicago would be going to Pittsburgh for a one-game playoff. Now, the Mets and the Giants are right, right up there behinds, but that's how it would be. It would be Chicago going to Pittsburgh, the Cubs going to face the Pirates in the one-game wild card playoff. And if I had to put my money on that, wow, I, I wonder who would get the start for the Cubs. Because if it's Lester, we know that he is a big-game pitcher. We know that, that he steps up in these big moments. Hey, But the Pirates have a nice, young, exciting team there. So, man, Chicago going to Pittsburgh. Would I pick two road teams to win the wild-card games? Lester was on the mound for last year's wild-card game. Remember that? For, for Oakland. And they were not able to win. Um, 
But I'm telling you right now, last year, if Oakland won that wild card game, Oakland would have went on to win the World Series. Their rotation was dominant. They were dirty. I'm going to go with Lester and the Cubs this time around. If Lester would even be the guy to make that start, based on I don't know how the regular season would play out with the rotation and days off and this and that. But I'll go with Chicago, which means that, you know, the final four in the National League would be the Nationals with 48 wins, the Cardinals with 56, the Dodgers with 51, and you get the Cubs with 47, which means the Cubs would be playing the Cardinals, the team that leads their division, uh... In the first round, and that would be one heck of a series. Chicago going to St. Louis for game one of the NLDS. My preseason prediction was the Cardinals going on to win the World Series. And, I, you know, even though we've seen the Wainwright injury, I don't think I'm coming off that. I'm not coming off that prediction right now. I'm sticking to my guns there. Cardinals have 56 wins. Um... They went. They go into the All Star break here. A 31 and 11 record at home. 25 22 on the road. You know, if things play out the way they played out in the first half, th- throughout the rest of the season, you know, the Cardinals are going to be having home field advantage here, th- up through the NLCS. Obviously, they don't get it in the World Series because of what the American League did last night. Uh, but the St. Louis Cardinals are the team that I-, I picked before the season to win the World Series. I'm not coming off that prediction right now. I like what St. Louis has in their rotation. I like their pitching staff. And uh, even with the Wainwright injury, I don't I, I don't look at that. And, you know, it, obviously they'd love to have him, right? They would love to have Wainwright. But I still think that they have some damn good pitching uh, that, that you could absolutely see take that Cardinals team on a serious run and – get to the promised land, and win that World Series. So, we'll let it play out. I get it. And that's just, look, I'm just playing a game if the playoffs began today. That's it. I think it's interesting to look at and take a look at where we stand around the league um, with regards to the wildcard spots and the division leaders. Um, but but that's just, that's where we are at Major League Baseball. All-star break. We don't get the regular season back up and going again until until Friday. So until then, we'll just wait and see, play the waiting game with Roger Goodell. I'm telling you, even as I do this show right now, I'm sitting here constantly refreshing Twitter, you know, nonstop, just refreshing Twitter. And I don't see anything. I don't see anything that tells me Goodell's made his decision. But when he does, I'll break it down, uh, I promise, on this podcast here, five days a week, dannypicard.com. You can subscribe really anywhere you can get a podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, you name it. Follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. Like me on Facebook. And again, if you are looking, if if you're looking to watch the video of the audio that we played earlier with the TV appearance that I had last night on Comcast Sportsnet New England, you can do that by going to csne.com and, um, you know, you can get that link Really, and there's another segment on there too. Things that we talked about. We talked about Bruins. We talked a little Celtics. We talked Patriots. We looked at those three teams and we asked the question, "What are they doing?" I think I think that was the question we asked. We were asking a lot of questions last night, but you know, one of the questions we asked was, you know, what are they doing? What is this team doing? And uh, again, I once again called out the Boston Bruins for not playing hardball with Dougie Hamilton. The Celtics, uh, who they had, Perry Jones. Last night, in a trade with the Oklahoma City Thunder, right, Perry Jones? What I think the Celtics are doing is they're just creating a competition. That's all. They're just creating a competition now. And, I, you know, I don't have anything – there's nothing wrong with that. Because, you know, the people that want the Celtics – I want the Celtics to make a major trade as well and get some superstar talent in here. But right now, that's not possible. So the only thing that you can do in the meantime is – Creating a competition and hope that some of these young players that you have push each other and begin to create something of a of a winning organization again. Right? That's all you can hope for. You got into the playoffs last year. I think you exceeded, obviously exceeded expectations. Um, you know, I think Danny Ainge is probably pleasantly surprised, but they overachieved. With that said. I think the team that they're putting on the court this year with the David Lee addition, with some of the draft picks they had, 
you know, they add Perry Jones, which again, I think is just a competition thing. Create some more competition. I, I think what you're looking at with the Celtics is a team that absolutely can have a better playoff seeding than what they had last year with the seven seed. And if you have a better playoff seeding, you have a better chance to win your first round matchup. And if you win your first round matchup, well, guess what? You're playing longer. And when you're playing longer, more people see you, more people around the league will be able to watch you play. And when I say more people, I don't mean fans. I don't mean media. I don't even mean mediocre players. I mean superstar talented players. The longer you play, the longer other big-name players around the league will get to see what your organization is building, right? And when you see a team playing in the Eastern Conference semifinals, okay, because that's what the second round is, it's the Eastern Conference semifinals, and you're in the final four of your conference, you're in the final eight of the NBA, you're in the elite eight of the NBA, when you, when you see that and you see a team there, I think you'll feel differently about them. And if you're looking to attract big-time big players, big-game players, whether it's free agency or getting a guy to want to sign and trade here, bottom line is this. You need to show them, one, you know, because you can't... I always say this. All right, players want to go to Miami or L.A. Well, I'll also point out that some big-name players have rejected those cities to go to organizations that don't have great weather. But the bottom line is Danny Ainge and the Celtics cannot control Mother Nature, and they shouldn't try. So what they need to focus on is building their own product, getting back to creating a successful winning organization, and I'm not, even, I'm not talking about championships right now. I'm talking about putting a product on the court that's going to try and convince or at least do a better job of convincing some players in the offseason to want to play here. Control what you can control. And I think that's what Danny Ainge is doing, creating some more competition by adding Perry Jones to the mix. So that's just another thing that we talked about last night. And I was not, I didn't have the time to clarify some of my comments on that second. So uh, check that out at CSNNE.com. Check this podcast out every weekday. I am out for now. I'll talk to you tomorrow. See you.